0: Anyway, it's good to be here. Brian, I believe, is preaching at one of our other campuses, so uh, he he placed the reins in my hands. You see, it's St Albans. St Albans. Brian's at St Albans today. He placed the reins in my hand, and I'm going to hold them for about uh, uh, 30 minutes today, and then I'm going to gladly give them back where they belong. And give those back to him. But it's a great day, isn't it? It's a great day. Any day that we can acknowledge. Jesus, you're more than enough. That's a great day. And I know that if there's one thing I know, it's how you love me so. I thought I'd write that down because last time I tried to repeat a couple song lines, man, it didn't go well. So anyway, I wrote them down. But if there's one thing I know, it's how you love me so. Jesus, you're more than enough. And if we can say that and know that, it's a great day. Now not all days are great days are they? Not all days are great days. Here's a little guy, I believe we're going to see him in just a minute. He's having a bad day. He's just got folded right up in the car seat and sometimes life will bite you like that, doesn't it? It just grabs you. Some days are just bad. Some days are both good, really, really, really good and really, really, really bad. Joy and I had a Uh, A day kind of like that has been uh, almost a couple of years ago, right before COVID. We were on the coast of France at a train station. I lost my cell phone. Anybody lost your cell phone? That's the beginning of a bad day right there. Lost my cell phone. Well, it's a long story, won't get into that. But then we went on into Paris. It was a great day, phenomenal day, an amazing day. We got back to the train station that evening, and it turns out we'd lost our cruise ship. Now, those things are bigger than a bass boat, but we lost our cruise ship. That day was, it started bad. It got really, really good, and then it got really, really bad again. Long story, another time, but we have days like that, don't we? Sometimes, we shoot ourselves in our foot. We cause our own problems Joy used to manage uh, time accounting for a company. She worked out of her out of our house and she did time accounting. She got an email from one of her coworkers one day explaining her time and this is what that note said. I thought this was great so I kept it. And let me say, she did not divulge company secrets. I just thought that may sound like, but she sh- she shared this email with me, and I just thought this was the funniest thing. She said, "This this was the coworker. I felt really bad with a headache, so I let the boss know I was leaving at 4 p.m. I went home to grab a glass of water and thought I grabbed some aspirin, but I accidentally took my dog's liver pill. Okay, and it was down the hatchet." before I realized what I had done. And that's actually what she wrote. It was down the hatchet before I knew what I had done. I should have known better because I'd been giving the dog these pills for three months, and they were big, and they were blue. Well, I think I'm fine. But the dog looked at me like she knew I'd done something that wasn't quite kosher. I called the vet's office just to make sure I was okay. And they sounded serious, but I'm pretty sure they were rolling in the floor while I was talking. Well, you know, we have days like that. We make mistakes. We cause problems. A great day can become a bad day, Uh, but we don't like that kind of shuffle. We want every day to be a Lake Wobegon day, don't we? We like that mythical place where the women are strong and the men are good looking, the children are above average, everybody gets A's. It's the place where the sun always shines, everybody gets a pay raise, and when you want to lose weight, you just go to bed at night and the pounds just all fall away. But that world, (laughs) that world is not our world. We don't live in that world. It's God's agenda is so much more, so much deeper than our ease or our happiness. God is interested in transformation. That deep, long-lasting, abiding life change. That breathtaking transformation that uh, will last a lifetime, but it comes through trials. And not just a trial, but a plurality of trials. Of different kinds. That's what the writer James talks about in that first chapter and the second verse, where he says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials, multiple, of many kinds. Now, even though we know that there is benefit and there is gain in trials, when we're in that place of hurt and that place of pressure, our heart is screaming, God, where are you? I am hurting. And let's go this direction. The Bible tells us that for over 400 years, his people were enslaved in Egypt until he raised up a man named Moses to lead his people out of bondage, on a journey that should have taken about a month or so, but it ended up taking 40 years because of their rebellion and their waywardness. It took that long. And those who were once children, who were children when they left Egypt, were now grown people with children of their own, and they were looking at that land of promise. It was just across the river. That 40-year journey was just about at the finish line. And Joshua 3 picks up the story. We're going to go there. In just a moment, we're going to read some verses. But I want you to picture this this huge assembly of Israelites standing at the river's edge. And this, this group of people, it was a large, the Bible says it was, you know, the entire Israelite population, which would have been a million, two million, whatever. It was far more than you would ever have at a political rally, far more than you would ever have at a ZZ Top concert, far more than you would ever have at a Paris train station. It was just an enormous group of people, and they were waiting to get to the finish line and get that land that they've been hearing about and promised for 40 years. Imagine their excitement as God gave their marching orders in Joshua 3 verse 3 and this is what he says, when you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God and priests who are levites carrying it you are to move out from your positions and follow it. Sounds simple enough, straightforward. Here's the plan, here's how you get here's how you get it. But there's additional Instruction that we get just a few verses later as we read down to 15 and 16. And verse 15 begins with this word Now the Jordan is at flood stage all during harvest. Now these Israelites, they could have just any time of the year, they could have waded across the Jordan to get to the other side. But it's at flood stage during harvest. Do you know when this was? It was harvest time. And it wasn't a wading river, it was a raging river. And could you imagine a mom looking at that river, and the power, and the, the challenge, and uh, you know, the, the iffiness of it, holding the hands of her two little children, thinking, we've got to cross that. Or an elderly husband and wife clinging together, thinking this river has got to be crossed before we can get to what we've been promised. Or to those who were challenged with some kind of physical limitations, those who were maybe crippled or blind, or even the strong and the swift might be thinking, God, you brought us all the way through these 40 years of stuff to get here on the very precipice of of the promise. And you're going to let us die In this place. But the passage continues. 15 and 16. Joshua 3. Yet as soon as the priest who carried the ark reached the Jordan. And their feet touched the water's edge. The water from upstream stopped flowing. And it piled in a heap a great distance away. At a town called Adam. Can you see it? As soon as those priests stepped into the water, and made contact with the water, God stopped it from flowing. And as a matter of fact, it was stopped so completely that the Bible says when they crossed, it was on dry land. Not muddy, not sloppy, but dry. Where did God stop that flow of water? Did He stop it right there where they were standing? Did did the Israelites see God at work with their own eyes? No, the Bible says it was a great distance away at a little place called, or big place, whatever, at a place called Adam. And scholars will tell you that that was about 19 miles from where they stood. God was working, but he was working upstream from where the Israelites stood. Far beyond what they could see. It was a miracle, but it was a miracle that happened out of their sight. They didn't witness it with their own eyes. God was at work upstream out of their sight. And here's one thing that we can learn from that. There'll be a couple more, but here's one thing that we can learn from that. And that that God is always at work upstream in our life. So when we feel that pressure and times are hard and we're in pain, things aren't going our way and we're screaming, where is God? Whenever we face those problems, whether it's sickness, depression, job loss, tragedy, discouragement, God is at work upstream when we face those situations beyond our line of sight. Now, the Israelites saw the problem right in front of them. And they may have concluded since they saw this raging river, they may have concluded that God was not involved in their situation, but they would have been wrong. He was there, and He was working they just didn't see him at work. One powerful example of someone who understood that was somebody I know very well, knew very well, and some of you might uh, remember her too, and that's my mom, Mary Ranson. Very late in her life, she fell, broke her hip, had to have surgery, was in the hospital for a little while, moved to a rehab center here in the valley uh, to get stronger. But mom knew she was there for something more Than just to get stronger. The second day she was there. A young therapist named Molly. Speech therapist. Came in to work with mom. But what really happened. Was mom began to work. With her. See that's God working upstream. And because of those daily. Conversations and those daily relationships. That were building and building and building. This young mom. Was curious enough to investigate what mom was saying about her Lord, about her church, which is our St. Albans campus. And to this day, as far as I know, Molly and her husband and their two small kids, which aren't as small now, are active and serving and growing in their faith as as a direct result of God's Holy Spirit working through a mom who knew a God who was working upstream. It's just one example. And just as important, here's an example of someone who knew the God and knew that God was working upstream. That's what Paul was meaning when he wrote Romans, the 8th chapter, in verse 28, when he says, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love Him and have been called according to His purpose. Notice two things. Two things in that verse. One, God works in all things. And the second, he's working for our good upstream. He's working. God's providence means that he's always at work. Working behind the scenes, outside of our view, to provide us with something. Even when we don't see it, he's working. Even when we don't feel it, he's working. Now... What does that mean to us? The fact that he's working behind the scenes and and his providence is caring for us in ways that we may not understand. It means that we can trust what we can't see and we must let go of what we can't control. God can't work in a situation as long as our hands are still messing with it and fiddling with it. And unless we turn it over to God, he can't begin to work on it himself. And I learned what it meant a few years ago. I learned what it meant To let go of what you can't control. And here's how this unfolded for me. Again, Joy and I were traveling, uh, uh, it's been a few years ago now, but with some friends, and they decided it would be a great idea to to go on a uh, jet ski excursion. All of them wanted to do that. I didn't want to do that. I didn't want to tell them why, but I'll tell you why. I'm a chicken, I really am. And death by jet ski was not my way to leave this world. But that's what they wanted to do. And okay, we'll, I, I'll go along. I'll, I'll play the game. So we got on our jet skis, and it was, there was about five or six officers. There was a guide in the front and a guide in the back, and the guide in the front went in the front, and he just blasted off across. Everybody else just one after one after one after one. man. they were shooting across there. And the guide in the back was telling us, you've got to go you got to move. you gotta, You got to go faster. And I didn't want to go faster. We were going this way and we were going this way. And I was just scared to death. I knew I only had about you know, 30 seconds more breathing to do in this world. But he was hollering, you got to go faster. She was hollering, you got to go faster. And I thought it's either risk death or risk death. So I said, okay, honey. Now, you guys, you know what it's like when you get driving tips from the, from the right side of the car? Well, I was getting driving tips, and I was thinking things, but I th- what I thought was, I'm going to go. So I just opened it up, and man, I just, I just opened that thing up, and she said, slow it down, <laughs> slow it down, and she really did that, but I didn't. And I realized, this is pretty good stuff all of a sudden we weren't rocking side to side so much anymore and it wasn't just going up and down and bouncing we were we were flying Life, and it was, it was just beautiful. I mean, you, the, the ocean, it was just great. It was just, it was just a, a, an awesome, awesome, awesome experience. It really, really was. And I was so excited at the end of it. I was high-fiving everybody on that tour like I was a kid at a college football game. I was just having a ball. But the reason it worked out so, let me tell you this. Once did I think about mentioning to the guide, you know, you can go on home from here. I can take it the rest of the way. You know, I can lead the group the rest of the way. Not once, because I knew the most experienced person on the water was calling the shots. I knew that. And so I just could relax and enjoy the ride. Not one time did I think I I can handle this. Not, Not once. It may have been bumpy. I may have been scared. But it became so much easier when I followed the captain. That's just the way it works. Some people can't see God working upstream in their life. Not because they don't have enough faith. But because they insist on keeping control. And they can't. They can't. And then we need to see our pain in the bigger picture. One of the reasons we can't see God at work upstream in our life is because we're too focused on today. I'm hurting today. That relationship that I've been praying for still needs to be mended. That clarity of of direction that I've been praying for, I still don't have that clarity. God, where are you? What's going on? And you may be thinking, why isn't God working in my life now the way He was working in Bible times? Honest question, and it deserves an honest answer. Let's think of it this way. God does His best work over long periods of times and that's important to remember Uh, the Bible is a compilation of 66 books written over a period of about 2,000 years and we have put it together all in one book all just right there when we when we go through the pages of that book and we read it we study it, we hear about it it just seems like miracles are happening all the time but we need to remember the context this is 2,000 years of history that that we've put in this one book. It's not like God was handing out miracles every day like He was passing out the morning newspaper. It didn't work that way. Most people would go their entire lives without experiencing even one supernatural intervention on the part of heaven. Not one. The Bible says or indicates that there are two different kinds of miracles and that makes a difference too two different kinds of miracles one is is the kind we're familiar with the instantaneous miracles those miracles that happen immediately where god will resolve a problem or remove a problem it's the kind of supernatural healing that god would do in the old testament or in the new testament in the life of christ like when someone's physically ill and presto changeo the cancer is gone or the sight's restored the Bible says that God did these kind of miracles through the Apostle Paul. In the 19th chapter of the book of Acts, verse 11, we find this. God did extraordinary miracles through Paul. And they were immediate. Presto changeo, It's done. Instantaneous miracles. But let's remember, they were rare in Bible times. That's 2,000 years of history. So you stretch that out over normal life spans, And they were rare in Bible times. And they're equally rare today. They happen, I believe that, but they're rare today. But then there's another kind of miracle. It's a perseverance miracle. That's the kind where God chooses not to immediately resolve a problem or, or, or perform a healing. But He gives rather His ongoing miraculous strength to sustain us through a problem. It's the kind of miracles that happen routinely in Bible times. And they happen just as routinely today. There were times in the Bible where God chose not to heal somebody instantaneously. Do you recall, uh, as Paul concluded 2 Timothy, he said, I left Trophimus sick in Miletus. I believe that's the fourth chapter, the 20th verse, 2 Timothy. And you think, Paul, the one who God used to do extraordinary miracles, he left a co-worker, one of his workers in the church, he left him sick? Could God not have healed him? Could God not have done that through Paul? Of course he could. But he didn't. Instead, he gave him the extraordinary, miraculous strength to go through that, that sickness, whatever it might have been. Paul describes this, and it's just an incredible passage of Scripture, in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, 7 through 11, and and this this is what that uh, section says. We have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. We're hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not abandoned, we're struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. For we who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that His life may be revealed in our mortal body. This jar of, jars of clay is a powerful analogy. In, in Paul's time, those, those clay pots and vessels were common. They were inexpensive. It's a good thing they were inexpensive because they cracked and broke all the time. Our minds and our bodies are just like those jars of clay. We're frail. We break. We fall apart. Clay pots... <laughs> don't hold up well under extramarital affairs or bankruptcy or constant depression and when we manage to keep our lives intact when they really should be scattered across the floor in a million pieces we and others know that someone is miraculously holding us together Brian Jones has written a book called Second-Guessing God. And in that book, he tells about a friend of his. Brian was a preacher in the Philadelphia area. He tells about a friend of his named Philip, who was married to a sweet gal named Claire. They'd been married for 47 years. But Claire was in the later stages of dementia and in a care home specifically designed to help people in her position And uh, Philip went every day to visit his wife. And on one occasion, he asked Brian, the writer of this book, if he would like to go along. And Brian said, sure, I'll go. And so he was kind of in the back part or the side of the room as as Philip was visiting with his wife. And he said it was a little awkward. You know, Philip would talk, and Claire might say something once in a while, but she didn't know who, who she was talking to. Because Philip, every time he went in the room, he had to reintroduce himself to his wife of 47 years. She didn't know who he was. And during, during their, their meeting, and Philip was sitting right at his wife's bedside, and, and the oxygen tube began to slip. There was a piece of tape on her, on her nose holding the oxygen tube in place, and it began to slip off. So Philip got right real close and just real gently tried to put that tape back on. And when he got about six inches away, she opened her eyes like she'd been in a trance. She saw him and she said, Who in the world are you? Brian said he was sitting over to the side taking that in and he said he didn't know what to do. Part of him wanted to cry because here was the lady that he uh, had, had lived for for nearly 50 years. They had children together and six inches away from her face, she didn't even know who he was. He said part of him wanted to cry, but another part of him wanted to laugh because when she screamed out, who are you, she, he said her face just kind of squinted up in such a funny little way. He, he thought it was a little humorous and he felt bad about that. And so he did nothing. But Philip, still right there in his wife's face, he looked over at Brian and, and Philip winked. And Brian grinned. And then Philip chuckled. And then Claire chuckled. And before you knew it, all three of them were just laughing and howling uncontrollably. And the tears were just flowing down their faces. And Brian said, my tears of happiness, my tears of laughter, turned to tears of wonder. Because I realized I was watching a miracle in the process. He said, I would, if, if you had transported me back to the time of Christ, and I saw Christ heal a lame man, I would not have been more astonished that I walked here in this hospital room or in this, in this care room... Because here is a man in a clay pot, just so fragile with the life that we all have. It's fragile life. And his life should have been broken in a million pieces across that floor. But he was held together by a God who loved him and a love for his wife. And I think that's one of the reasons that God performs more perseverance miracles than he does instantaneous miracles. They last. So much longer they stretch, when somebody perseveres in the middle of hardship and struggle and pain, their presence and their joy leaves no one untouched. Their witness seeps into boardrooms and kitchens and bowling alleys and bus stops and front porches. Being a living miracle has so much more of an effect over time on everyone. (laughs) And miracles that just come and go like the wind. And when you think about it like that, it's a wonder that God does any instantaneous miracles at all. Because the perseverance miracles stretch and last and affect so many more. God is always at work upstream. And once we learn to accept that, we develop this mystical kind of patience that says, I know, there's, I know this hurts, I know this isn't what I asked for, and I may not understand the reason today. I might understand that reason tomorrow. I might see better how God is working upstream 25 years from now. Or maybe it won't be until I'm standing in His presence, but until it makes sense, I'm just going to give it to God and let Him deal with it. One, one final illustration. Our daughter moved back to the States. She lived in the Middle East for a while. And we heard about this rug that she had. Well, when they moved back, I, I went down to Tennessee and helped them move some stuff. In, and I saw that rug. And I thought, she said she practically stole this at a bargain price. And I'm thinking, I wish somebody would steal it from you because it's, you're not adding to the flavor of your home it was, the colors looked like they had faded. It was worn. There were strings kind of hanging out in the back. And she says, Dad, it's upside down. <laughs> she turned that over, and man, she was right. It was a genuine Persian rug. The texture, the colors It was just like nothing I had ever seen before. It was a treasure. No matter what I thought earlier, it was a treasure. Now, I want to remind you of something. One day, one day we're done. One day we're done here. And if you're a follower of Christ, God will usher us into His presence forever. And I like to think that God will take us off to the side and he'll say to us do you you see the back of this carpet this is your life on earth and this is what I was doing through you you remember what it was like the pain when your parents divorced do you remember what it was like when you lost the child you remember what those bouts of depression were like and how you felt Or how hard it was when you lost your house. Do you remember all of that? And then I think God will smile as big as the sunrise. And he'll turn that carpet over and he'll say, This is what I was doing through you. Look at the big picture. These are all the lives that were changed because of you. Thank you for being patient. Thank you for not giving up thank you for being faithful this is what I was doing upstream in your life will you pray with me God thank you that you're in charge thank you that you know what's best you know where we've been God thank you that you know where we're going and you're already there you're stopping the flow of water miles from where we are right now making a way for us Lord help us to trust increase our faith when we don't see it when we don't feel it we pray that your faith your, your spirit might sustain us with your miraculous power and God what an honor it is to know and a privilege to be cared by one with all of that might and that tender love for us God, if there are those here this morning who have never said yes to you, uh, they are not experiencing or a, as, as it stands right now. Uh, their, their name is not in that Lamb's book of life that you've told us about. and uh, They're not ready to meet you. We pray that at this moment they might consider that step or their next step for you. And may they honor you. May we all, every one of us, honor you as we all consider our next step and what it is you're leading us to knowing that you've already made a way thank you for christ the one who died for us and the one who lives for us even today And we pray in his name amen this morning if you have a a question a, a request a need uh, that can be met by stepping out i'd be more than glad to talk to you about that next step whatever it is whether it's planting roots here uh, getting wet in the waters of renewal of baptism I'd be glad to talk to you about that pray with you whatever I'm going to be down here on your left and if you would stand and sing with us and, and respond I'd be glad to to meet with you there